0: Fall Asleep with Henrik is a most wondrous and enchanting podcast, intended to lull you into a deep slumber. Know that you need not exert yourself in listening to the words, for each episode is fashioned after a dream, wherein coherence waxes and wanes and twists and turns. Be not overly concerned with its meaning, for it simply exists for what it is. Hold up! I, I'm so excited to be sharing this podcast with you and, and to become a part of your nighttime routine. Each episode is an hour of random and unstructured conversation designed to help you relax and drift off to sleep. Whether you're looking for a change from typical sleep aids or just want a calming presence as you drift off, Fall Asleep with Henrik is here for you. As your host, I promise to talk about anything and everything in a way that's both engaging and soothing. I know how important a good night's sleep is and I want to do everything I can to help you get there. That's why each episode is carefully crafted to be just the right amount of background noise for your mind to wander, without being too distracting. So, whether you're winding down after a long day at work or just looking for a way to relax and unwind, I invite you to join me on this journey. All you need to do is press play, lay back, and let me become your nighttime friend. I promise to be with you every step of the way until you fall into a deep and peaceful slumber. So, go ahead and make yourself comfortable, grab your favorite blanket and pillow, and let's get started. This episode will be just like all the others in the series. Uh, try it out. A test. Let's see where we end up. I have no set paths. It's like I'm moving in a forest in a landscape. It's a bit like when you play Minecraft, or actually any game if you don't have high environmental rendering to save on graphics card power. Now it's like the world slowly fades in if you move too fast. Then you suddenly find yourself in a void. The world hasn't had time to render around you. That's how it is and that's why I have to move slowly at the beginning so that the world has time to render around me. This will be a story about, about a waving field of wheat when, where the fields of wheat bow to the wind. Where does that text come from? This is confusing for a reason. So I talk and I really try to make it work, but sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's also hard for me. That is, on a personal level, and to make it work. I simply don't always have all my horses at home. I've always been envious of people who have who have that thick, waving hair. I myself have pretty thin hair, as a follower actually referred to, that it looked a little like a cute little tuft. A tuft of hair, maybe that's not what you dream of hearing. On the other hand, I can appreciate the tuft of hair in others, but I don't have such I don't have such tender feelings for my own tuft of hair. I have a tuft of hair that only a mother can love. This story will be about a person with thick hair. That kind of Prince Valiant hair that's actually mostly a kind of hair mat that's laid on top of the scalp like a, a wet towel. Just as you can't stick your hand in a wet towel and ruffle it around, you can't do it in her Aunt Erlinson's hair. Per Arne Erlinson, who of course, who of course you know. He who travelled on this, a little like the old story of Kristen's journey. He was no legend during his lifetime, at least not for the majority of it. He used to say things like, I come with peace and freedom and I don't need to sit down. I, I'm high on life. He was someone who was high on life, you know at dinners where everyone sits around a table and drinks wine or something. And then someone says, no, thank you, I don't need anything. I get high on life and says it a bit smugly. And then others feel guilty for not being able to get high on life without the substance to get high or spiritual. Let everyone go their own way. We're like a single big wave of individuals. Each of us gets to choose our own way of living life, he said. But of course, many people took issue with him including his own unicorn who had to put up with him. He was so self-satisfied with his smug smile all the time. He was a fake humble person. There was no humility. You can often see these fake humble people on social media. I know I jump on social media in this podcast. I'm very active in social media, so I have to be careful, I guess. But there's a self-imposed... A self-imposed goodness ideal that isn't genuine and it becomes so clear when you see it because there's a passive aggressiveness in these goodness posters he was a little like that so many people took issue with him they took issue with his prince valiant like page boy haircut they took issue with his in many people's opinions naive outlook and his his maybe slightly suspiciously close relationship with the unicorn sorry that was nothing that was They had a platonic relationship. But for anyone who has ever lived with a unicorn, you know that it's very difficult to know. For unicorns are very about themselves and around them. They don't have boundaries in the same way that humans do. It's difficult to hold, you know. Yes, it's hard to set boundaries with unicorns, especially since it's difficult to know what is horse and what is horn here. Simple but beautiful. Actually, one should say that they had a very typical human-unicorn relationship. Where the human is always a little unsure of where the unicorn is emotionally. The unicorn is more... Suddenly, the unicorn is very angry. And you wonder, what did I do wrong? And the unicorn says nothing. For two days, and you go and wonder, what happened? And put everything on yourself. And it ends up that the unicorn has only thought about its own things and has been in its own world, and the unicorn simply forgets that man exists in time and out of time. And are you the least bit relational as a human being? Then you become hurt and nervous when the unicorn chooses to distance himself like that. But people bothered Arna, Per Arna. We can call him Arna for short. So his name was not Per Arna, but Per Arna Erlinson first name Arna. They were upset that he was saying things that were so obvious yet completely true. Everyone is equal, so he could say, almost as if he had invented it. And even if he was right in substance, it was the way he said it that drove people mad with rage, and that they were upset that he was all pecoral, simply. So Arna Erlinson travelled through the countryside riding his unicorn. It is very rare to ride unicorns often you walk by its side. Only magical fairy tale princesses are allowed to ride unicorns, and Arne, you can say a lot about him, but he was not a magical fairy tale princess. Quite the opposite. What is the opposite of a magical fairy tale princess? It's an extremely sink-realistic prince then, but he wasn't either. A kitchen sink-realistic prince? After all, it is Prince William who's a sink-realist prince. It is a bit difficult to talk about the Unicorn and Arne at the same time. Because they are so different. So I'll content myself with talking about Arne here, Bengt Arne Erlinson, and then maybe... So I guess I'll sneak into the Unicorn a bit here eventually. In any case, people were very annoyed with him when he came there with his nice message. Hey, I come with peace and freedom, he said as he rode into the villages, and then he was attacked by both people and animals. And he has been shot at and bitten by dogs and attacked by flies and twisted crosswise and pulled in various appendages. But he never gave up. He continued his journey and tried to spread his good message. He said, I have been traveling through the countryside for several years now and I have met so much resistance, but I haven't given up. That is the whole point. He whispered this a little too close in the unicorn's ear and he smelled a little of banana from his mouth. He ate a lot of banana, banana, and it was like he didn't floss very often. Plackers weren't invented at the time. Well, single placers existed, but not double placers. They weren't invented, but it's double placers that do the trick of removing everything. The unicorn always found it so terribly unpleasant when Anna Erlinson bent down over him and whispered in his ear, that I will never give up my beautiful unicorn. One day they came to a village called Kroping. There they had to face an unusual amount of resistance. Arna was attacked by a dog and a man came out of a house with a slingshot and shot candy balls at him. And to be hit by candy is therefore equated with someone jumping from the Empire State Building with a straight hand down and hitting someone on the cheek with their hand. So this is a very, very sharp and powerful collision with incalculable long-term consequences. And this would very well haunt Arne Erlinson throughout his life. What happened when he got that piece of candy on his right... on his right buttock, was that it? The surges in his skin and subcutaneous fat propagated slowly, slowly, until they included a vibration equivalent to 5.6 on the Richter scale. When this type of vibration... Then you simply look as if you are sitting on a speed bike and driving a bumpy track on your face. You look simply ridiculous. He looked a bit like the Prime Minister in this picture spread by him. When was it taken? In the middle of a jump? A very unfortunate microsecond, an unfortunate and unfortunate frame of his life, which was nevertheless true to the extent that you are who you are, even if you are only for a microsecond. But this does not affect Arne Erlinson. He continues his journey. Another time he traveled past a village called Stora Frolunda. And there, he had to face even more resistance. And he was jumped on by both people and animals. Cats at this point jumped on him, not really knowing why. They were just swept along by the general hysteria. A bit like what cats do. You can't make noise, for example, when you have a cat next to you, because then the cat immediately starts, where was the fight? As well as, like that without really understanding why. My cat, Flank, and I were out walking in the forest, and then we met a deer, and I said to the deer, and then it may well happen that I raised my voice a little. And then Flank rushed the deer, and it became a wrestling match. And Flank held the deer in such a neck hold, and did that when you rub the head, as it were, between the horns. He held the deer under his arm and rubbed the deer's hair with his knuckles. With the cat's knuckles, it hurt terribly. That's what the tough guys did to me in junior high school. So did flank on the poor deer, and it wasn't meant to be. I just wanted to inform the deer that in the human world, in which it still moves a lot anyway, it is impolite to stand and stare at someone in the forest like that. I told the deer that, if you were standing here, if you were a human standing and staring at me like that in the middle of the forest, then I would have gone home and I would have written in some Facebook group for neighborhood cooperation with words of warning, but just because you're a deer, you get away with this. I said, it is not okay. And it was probably on this occasion that I raised my voice a little, and so yes, one thing led to another. In the west of Vastra Frolunda, he was also jumped on by a particularly naughty bastard called Svein Palle Georg Halfarsen, who had had a very bad morning with beer, trip-hop and jealousy. Once again, Anna Erlanson was chased by a dog in a town called Nesta. The dog was named Gnast and was very aggressive. This was due to the dog thinking it was a wolf, which is where the song, I'd Rather Be Chased by Wolves, comes from. Is it by Orop or Glander's Espermark? Or who sings it? I don't remember. Anna Erlanson and his unicorn, Bono, continue to travel against all odds through these villages and Anna refuses to give up. He's not giving up. This is his mission. But what is his mission? It has become fragmented over the years. Perhaps there was a concrete idea about what was to be done and with what means at the beginning. But as time went on, Anna Erlinson has thinned out to the great despair of Unicorn Bono. The unicorn was terribly tired and hungry and complained all the time. It's not usual for unicorns to complain. Often, unicorns have a, well, to use a pun, a stoic calmness. But it's actually, that's what's meant by that. And it has nothing to do with mares, horsewomen. But, but unicorns are usually stoically calm. But Bono was a real whiner. He whined when he hit his hooves, he whined when he hit his mane. He whined when he accidentally poked various animals, people, wandering sticks, and goats with his horn. He looked down at the ground for a little while. It's really tough for unicorns that they have this little side effect in their constitution that every time they look down at the ground for a little while, maybe there's something on the hoof tip. What's that down there? Maybe a piece of dandelion. And they don't look around, and then someone walks by, like a food delivery person. And then they get poked by the horn. Or someone comes down the mountain on their bike and the horn goes straight into the wheel and it gets dizzy. So Bono whined too. He whined and whined and whined. And at one point they took a little break in the forest. Quiet now and eat the grass, my dear beloved friend. Close your beautiful jaw, said Anna Erlinson. Close your beautiful jaw. And he covered the unicorn's mouth and the unicorn thought it was incredibly provocative and considered biting Arna for a fraction of a second. But as everyone knows, it's pretty unusual for unicorns to engage in any kind of violence towards others. So, he didn't do that. He just started eating some grass instead. Arna Erlandsen looked at the unicorn and said that he that he understood that it was difficult to be a unicorn in the world of humans. "'It's a man's world,' said Anna Erlansson. "'It is difficult to be a unicorn. I understand that. "'After you accidentally poked the mare of Heckelbricken, Ossenpfeffer Schlachten, Buckenbaden, "'and a sea last week, people have been hunting us even more, "'and they have been angry with you too, not just with me. "'I understand that you are a little stressed out by the fact that "'everyone wants to take your unicorn horn.' I forgot to say that the unicorn horn was something people believed brought good luck. So there was a very strong desire to simply take the horn from the unicorn. So it might have been an environment conducive to creative solutions if Anna Erlinson wasn't so damn self-centered. It's something with groups of people or people in pairs. When they are subjected to strong external social pressure, then they join together and find a world that strengthens them in what they do. But with Bono and Arna, Arna was so damn not in touch with reality. His message had been fuzzed and become very fuzzy, and the unicorn felt frustrated about that, and you couldn't talk about it with Arna because he didn't understand what the discussion was about. It was as if he was in a different world, which made this potential joining together impossible. Arne Erlinson could have had a best friend in Unicorn Bono, and Bono could have found a best friend in Arne Erlinson. In any case, it didn't turn out that way because of, well, it's naturally about Anna Erlinson's childhood trauma, about his absent parents, the fact that he himself has had to take on the role of his own biggest role model And then they continued. The unicorn began to rise from his semi-lying. He was lying with his horse jaw in the grass and his hind legs, that is. He was standing on his hind legs, but his front legs were straight along the sides, so his butt was up in the air. Not that you can say butt about a unicorn. They are very graceful animals. You can't use a word as blunt as butt. You have to say, conclusion. He was lying with his conclusion lifted high. Then came a bouncing ball. One of those beach balls, or one of those yoga pilates balls bouncing from a nearby yoga center and bumped into him to the mild degree that he got a neck cramp. Bono became so angry that he ran to the yoga center and impaled all the yoga people on the horn. And then he ran around in the forest shouting that he was going crazy and insane and Arne Erlinson couldn't calm him down. Not until Bono had raced around and everyone had fallen off the horn and gone home and called the rural police did he become quiet and then Bono and Bori were forced to flee once again. But now there was a difference. The unicorn Bono had begun to give up. He was tired. Tired. He was tired. Hungry. He didn't want to travel anymore. So he, he sat down in the grass and felt so... This morning, the unicorn Bono was in a terrible mood and argued with Anna. That's just how it is. Because Arna was so awfully boring. Additionally, he was lazy. He was one of those old guys who just loved food. That was actually roughly translated from The Dangerous Journey by Finnish author Tov Jansson, a book that I read or had read to me when I was very young and that I have returned to again and again and again. The illustrations are absolutely fantastic. The verses are also nice. When she wrote in rhyme, it was, you know, there's so much that's beautiful, but, but you don't feel like, wow, what a rhymer or something. But there's something else in the stories. But above all, it's the tone of the pictures. Oh, how I love Tove Jansson. She has built so much of what I am today without ever knowing who I am. Well, that was a side thing. The unicorn Bono fell asleep immediately, a furious sleep, with deep, heavy, hoarse breathing, which is considered unusual for a unicorn that otherwise has a very shallow, fast breathing. A little like it's always about to kick the bucket. That's how unicorns sound, and that's perfectly normal. Because they don't exist in any physical sense here on Earth, they are always about to cease to exist. It all depends on people still believing in them. Otherwise, they disappear. A little like in The Never Ending Story. Then Arne Erlinson had an idea. He went into the forest and looked for food. He had never done that before. He had never looked for food. He used to eat what was thrown at him in various villages. Tomatoes, cakes, pastries, oysters, biscuits, pancakes, cucumbers, chestnuts, guitar strings, logs, goats, and rocking chairs. But when he came into the forest now, he found a large apple tree. He picked some apples, he ate fifteen, and then he went back to the unicorn and gave him the rest of the apples. That was the nicest thing Arne Erlundsen had ever done. This irritated Bono as he felt that everything Anna Erlundsen did was an attempt to create a cult around himself. As if he wanted to create winged words with everything he said. It was so vain and self-centered that it turned Bono's eight stomachs. Unicorns have eight stomachs after all. But he was happy about the apples. He ate them and then he actually felt a little kick, as if, now I'm ready to continue my journey. Then they continued their journey through the countryside, and Arne Erlinson had brought a lot of apples that he gave out to the hungry along the way, talking about peace and freedom, and the right to everyone's own individual journey. I'll try to describe a little what he was preaching about. Peace and freedom, he could say things like, War is bad, peace is good, or similar stuff. He said it as if he himself had come up with it. Then he said, Freedom is the right of every person. Also as if he himself had come up with it. Then he said nothing more about it. Nothing like, of course, that's, that's an old saying, or something like that. And then he said, Love is a kind of heart-to-heart, and everyone can feel it. Or, one should not judge love. Stuff like that. Awful. And when he said that, he said it as if he had shouted out something that had been forbidden to speak of for many years. Something no one else dared to touch. One day, they came to a small town called Kokomumfu, and the pair made a strong impression on the people there. People's reactions range from confusion, shock, anger, to violence. But it was unusual in that the confusion part. The part with confusion and shock was greater than the anger and therefore also the violence that was directed at the unicorn and rider. This sparked a little bloodthirst, as they say. It's actually a pretty horrible expression. It implies that one has, so to speak, gotten a scent of a new sort of wild game. But that's what happened. Even though it didn't bite into anything and no blood was on any teeth, it was as if Arne Erlinson felt that perhaps his message had started to sink in, considering that it was no longer 99% of those who heard him trying to throw old rags at him, but just a few. The great majority stood like birdhouses and just looked. One day they came to the famous frog forest and took a break there. And Bono was grumpy as usual. Irritated, truly unkind, a terrible word. But I like it in a sense, I, I like the word unkind. I also like the combination of unkind and unwind. But Bono was here, unkind, and he wouldn't unwind. And he started commenting on Arna Erlinson's Prince Valiant-like pageboy haircut, and that was a new low, by unicorn measurement. It was low because unicorns do not condescend to comment on other people's hair and physique, or for that matter, characteristics and actions in the way that the unicorn now did. But there is something about this broken unicorn that makes it logical in some way. Of course it hurt Arna. he was sad, but he... He said nothing, and then they fell asleep for the night, with their backs against each other, each rolled up in their own angry loneliness. When the morning dawned, two roosters crowed at the north and south positions, and the odd couple continued their journey into the frog forest and came to a clearing. There they saw a woman with two children, The children were playing and the woman was staring blankly at her hands. Arne Erlinson dismounted from Bono and went up and introduced himself. Hi, my name is Arne Erlinson and I'm the messenger of a lot of pretentious things on earth. How are you doing? he asked the woman. Oh, thanks, fine, she replied. She was not immediately hostile, perhaps because he had not gotten close enough for her to experience his banana-charged breath. Yes, I said he ate a lot of bananas, right? That's because people threw a lot of bananas at him. Bananas were a frequent commodity in the kingdom where this story takes place. What are you doing here in the clearing? Well, I'm waiting for my husband, she said. Because he, he works, and she made those quotation marks. Anna didn't understand. He couldn't read fine print in communication. He was extremely direct. So he said, oh, what does he work with? And she said, well, he works with being completely useless. Oh, that sounds difficult, said Anna. Isn't it better to come with us? We preach the message of love, freedom and individuality on earth. Follow us and you will be richly rewarded. Not exactly with money, but with experiences. Or not exactly with good experiences, but with... Well, there will be stuff happening and you will experience them. Okay, anything is better than this, said the woman, who was called Clarice. So she took her two children, named Bit and Bat, and brought them through the forest, and then there were suddenly four people. Bono muttered something about how the pageboy hairdo didn't consult with him before inviting more on the trip. But he still thought they could be allowed to come along, because it would be nice to have a little, as he said... New air in this confined banana breath communication. Stinky one way banana breath communication. That's what he had with Anna Erlandsson. But now he wasn't alone anymore with his unicorn, Anna Erlandsson. He had gained a follower, or actually three, but two of them had no choice but to follow their mother. And the mission continued. After a while, they arrived in another town, and there they met quite a bit of opposition. So someone pulled him in various appendages. A dog bit him in various appendages. A rooster that cackled and cawed. So totally unrelated to Anna. It just did it. I thought it was important to mention. And a donkey whose laughter coincided with Anna's own way of laughing, in a very embarrassing way. So it sounded like he was laughing when the donkey laughed. And people thought it was very funny. Hilarious, they said, hilarious. But the difference here was that a very large percentage of people stood like birdhouses. A small, small percentage got angry and threw bananas in their own hands after him. But a much larger percentage of people actually stood still and listened, not necessarily fully taken by his message but at least not disgusted or artistic or ethically provoked. Ethical was the wrong word. They were not ethically provoked. Well, maybe they felt that it felt unethical that he so self-centeredly stood and propagated all the good things, for it was like in his own name, and maybe that's what they thought was unethical. But in this case, people were curious. This was in Kensville. There came people out and greeted them afterwards. They wanted to feel the unicorn's horn. They wanted to squeeze and knead both Anna and Bono. But there was a wicked woman there named Bensington, the simpleton. She took hold of the unicorn's tail and pulled as hard as she could just to be wicked. You should know this about wicked people. They do things like that and there's no reason for it. That's what's wicked that they just, they see a tale and think, I can pull on that. Bensington, the simpleton was indeed simple-minded, but more of an idiot than simple-minded. But since people didn't dare to mention the idiot part of it, because she might hear, they called her simpleton, because she was simple-minded enough not to know what simpleton means. The unicorn Borno screamed in pain, but then something snapped in Arne Erlinson's head. He became extremely angry, and then he hit Bensington with his cane. And Bensington, the simpleton, fell over and rubbed her head. And then, as you can understand, chaos erupted in the city, and the population was divided into those who like Arne Erlinson and those who don't like Arne Erlinson. And the groups were equally sized. That's what happened. And it was historical in a way, because had this been earlier in Arne and Bono's lives, then, well, it wouldn't have been, been like this. I don't know what to... Sorry, I... And now I'm losing my way. Sorry. Then, in the past, the largest group of people would be the ones who didn't like Arne Erlinson but now the groups were equally sized. And what had made the difference was, as far as Arna could understand, he had visited a village and a foolish bully type person had dragged his unicorn Bono by the tail while he himself preached of peace and freedom. And then he himself hit one of the villagers on the head with his cane. He got criticized for this later by Bono for using violence. But at the same time, Bono was grateful to Anna for defending him during this critical time in a unicorn's life, which one could argue, without being a unicorn oneself, that it is. To be dragged by the tail is a critical moment. Not because I have a tail or even dare to know what it's like to have a tail. Important to remember that you cannot quote me here. I have no source for this. None. Or, you can quote me. But you cannot use me as a credible source in this. Regarding what it feels like or what it's like to be dragged by the tail, but I can at least assume that it is a critical moment when someone is back there pulling and yanking and messing around, right? So there was a mutual gratitude there, even though it didn't always shine through. But there was, of course, the love between Arna and Bono. Now, before you rush off and demolish the church door with your homemade battering ram and take the elevator up to the bell tower in that ultra-modern church where you live and shout from the bell tower that Henrik still hasn't established how per Anna Erlinson and the unicorn Bono met. Now I can calm you down by telling you that I will now, although I can assure you that it's a very, very long story. Anna Erlundsen had always been something of a legend in town. He was persistent. He was stubborn. As a child, he always wanted to do things his way. He never listened to his father and mother. He didn't listen to the teachers in school. He did what he wanted. For example, if he wanted to listen to what someone said, he did it, even if he wasn't allowed to. And he had always been different when it came to homework. When someone told him not to do it, he did it. If he wanted to obey his parents in everything they said, although they told him not to, he did it. But he didn't fit in. he had never fit in anywhere. He had always felt outside and alone. But it was like it had become part of his self-image. So it had been incorporated into him. He no longer knew. It's a little like now that became a story about me, sorry. But I feel like I've never... Throughout my upbringing, I felt alone and on the outside. And I longed for something that was some place that was warm. But it's like I never really found those places. And now it's not really relevant anymore either. Being outside and alone has become like a self, a own world and i don't want to lose it. i'm comfortable here. Anyway, Anna Erlinson had always been fascinated by lone figures and unicorns. He had read everything he could find about unicorns and other solitary animals. And he had dreamed of meeting a unicorn someday. Or some solitary animal in general would suffice. Which one? It didn't matter that much. A solitary animal or a unicorn, it doesn't matter. When he was older, he began to believe that it would actually never be possible, that he would never meet a unicorn or a solitary animal. But then, one day, he did. Then he met with Bono. One day, he was out walking in the forest. There is a lot of forest here, in this story. I have been inside all day, so I have absolutely no fresh forest references in my body after today. Anyway, he was out walking for a long, long time. And then he came to a clearing and there he saw a beautiful unicorn standing and tossing its mane like that. Like unicorns do with that sort of self-sufficient hypocritical shine in their eyes. And Bono spotted him and approached him. And Arna Erlandson reached out and patted the unicorn on the snout. Or what's it called? Sorry, sorry. But what is it called? Snout? What is it called? What is the horse's nose called? Wow, I don't know. The trunk? Snout? It's just horrible when words disappear. Muzzle? Muzzle... What? Or snout muzzle? On unicorns, it's called snout muzzle. He patted the unicorn on the snout muzzle. Everything became completely magical. You know, if you've lived your whole life longing for solitary animals and unicorns, then, then it is somewhat blissful when you actually encounter a unicorn that doesn't even exist in the physical world. It takes a lot before you go home and just watch a B-series on Netflix after that. You'll probably have to take a little walk at least to digest the impressions before you turn on the Netflix series. The unicorn said, Hi, my name is Bono. I actually don't want to have anything to do with you. That's because besides being a unicorn, I'm also a solitary animal. But that's okay anyway, because I have a mission for you, Anna Erlundsen. Anna Erlandson asked, What is the mission? And the unicorn said, You should come with me, and you should preach about the importance of using a spoon when eating soup, because I have a very traumatic memory of my unicorn grandfather, who always ate with a fork, and that resulted in him starving himself to death, because he couldn't get any nutrition, eating soup as he did with a fork. But he maintained with a madman's stubbornness that it was because of lack of nutrition or government intervention or something. Or he blamed everything else except the fact that he ate with a fork even though it was liquid food and that he also had hooves. And we all know how hard it is to hold a fork and eat soup when you have hooves. Therefore, I want you to be my messenger and together we will preach for spoon and freedom. That is, the freedom to consume nourishment with the correct tools Well, this was a game changer for Anna. So besides saying yes, he also said, I am extra good at remembering the content of a message. Great, said the unicorn. Then you won't forget the content of our message because I, as a unicorn, have a very easy time forgetting things. I usually forget them just after a few minutes. Do you promise you will remember what we are supposed to preach?" And then it went as it went. So the original preaching was about spoons and freedom to eat soup with the correct tools. Anna remembered this for quite a while, probably 11 months, and then they went around preaching about spoons and the importance of eating soup with a spoon instead of with a fork. They had a… what's it called? A pentagram? No, not that. A diagram? Sorry, I shouldn't digress from this again. An important story. It is very important to eat soup with proper utensils. But after a while, the unicorn Bono forgot the message, and since he could no longer remind Anna Erlinson. He too forgot after 11 months and 12 weeks. Well, simply after 11, 12, 13 months and and two weeks. He forgot the message. And that was when it became peace, love and freedom in general. And then An just started putting together a bunch of mainstream stuff and somewhere believed that was the message. And the unicorn always had that feeling of something not adding up, but couldn't put his hoof on what it was about, so it wasn't an easy journey they had. People were angry and cursing at Anna Erlinson and his arrogant attitude, and it had been dangerous. It's dangerous to be bitten, dangerous to be shot, dangerous to have those candy balls thrown at the gluteus maximus muscle. they continued. And now, before you rush off to the subway and take two stations, run up to your local church and yell throughout your greater city area that, what was the story with that woman who they met in the clearing with two children? Are you going to just forget about their story now? No, I say with a calm hand on your shoulder, so that you don't fall from the church tower. I'll get to their story now. For this was the beginning of the end of the Unicorn and Anna Erlandsen's journey. The woman, who was called Clarice and her children, had followed them for a while, and it had gone well. No one had said anything for quite a while, and it was quite nice. It was rather quiet and cozy. They had a silent understanding. but then the joint started to creak, and it was actually the woman who started it. There was a lot one could criticize Anna Erlinson for, but in this case, it was Clarice who started complaining about Anna Erlinson. She felt that he talked too much, and that he was too naive. And she dared to claim that the page hairstyle was no longer modern. And also, there was this whole banana breath thing to consider. Anna Erlinson became sad and angry, and he told Clarice that she was free to go her own way, if she didn't want to follow anyone with a page hairdo. And then Clarice took the children and went her own way, and Anna Erlinson didn't try to stop her or follow her, he just looked upon her as she walked off. And then the unicorn Bono got angry because he had started to attach himself to Clarice and her children, and he said I'm starting to get tired of this you you alienate yourself with everyone Clarice was she we had she was a friend now I won't keep doing this I won't take another step I have to stop said the unicorn and then Anna Erlinson told the unicorn that yes I am also tired of this do we give up now? Yes. Maybe it will be better if we continue on our own, they said. And then they kissed one last time. And the unicorn's mouth did not taste like a banana. Of course it didn't, when I think about it. It was a surprise for Anna, who had never felt any other taste in his entire life. And then they went their separate ways. And if they haven't stopped walking, they are probably still walking today. And that's the end of the saga. So, what do we learn from this tale? We learn that it is important to remember the original message when embarking on a journey in the countryside. It is important to try to separate oneself from the message. To try to maintain a humble and transparent attitude towards one's own mission and not to think that one is the message that it makes with people, not to think that one is independent from the message or that the message is independent from oneself. If you want to read a long, long analysis of this tale, you can go to the library and then you can scream really, really loudly right in my bookshelf, preferably against a thick book so the sound bounces well outward. This has been an episode of the podcast Fall Asleep with Henrik. Thank you for still being here. If you like what you hear, please consider sharing the existence of this experiment to people you know or don't know. Additionally, you can find the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. So feel free to drop me a note, a follow or a like there. Until next time.